Greetings to all our listeners from the Ganawage Mohawk Territory on the south shore of Montreal and from the Quebec Native Women's Organization. My name is Sherry Osnaawi Jacobs and I am your host. I am the Digital Information Coordinator on Family Violence in an Indigenous Context at the Quebec Native Women's Organization situated in Ganawage, Quebec. This podcast is the ninth in a series of bilingual podcasts on family violence in an Indigenous context. I use the term family violence as domestic violence, intimate partner violence, or conjugal violence affects the whole family and not just the victim and the aggressor. The goal is to help spread awareness about the concept of family violence in an Indigenous context that includes elders, children, and perpetrators as well as to highlight organizations and resources that help victims, family members, and concerned community members. The website sosviolenceconjugal.ca, all one word, is an excellent resource for learning about and coping with family violence, and the website is available in 28 languages. They have a hotline that is in operation 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, as well as a chat feature. SOS Violence Conjugal has been in service for 35 years and they are the gateway to any service needed, such as Indigenous women's shelters. Their number is 1-800-363-9010. On our Quebec Native Women's website, you will find the Nonviolence folder under the Files tab, where there is a drop-down menu and the Nonviolence folder is the second option. There we have a toolbox with several materials that are designed to equip workers who work with Indigenous women, girls, two-spirited people, and families in abusive situations. You will find resource directories, awareness tools, campaigns, and educational materials for social workers and Indigenous women shelters alike. To receive free printed material or to contribute to the toolkit, contact us by email at material at fac-qnw.org or you can call 450-632-0088. In this episode, I will be discussing six forms of financial violence to help listeners recognize when the control of a victim's finances is being carried out by an abuser. With permission from sosviolenceconjugal.ca, my source of information is articles found on their website. Before we begin, if you or someone you know is a residential school survivor, you can access Emotional and Crisis Referral Service at 1-866-925-4419. There is also the Hope for Wellness line at 1-855-242-3310. So let's begin. Six forms of financial violence. In the context of intimate partner violence, abusers use various means to establish their power and control over the victim's choices. Violent behaviors aimed at controlling the victim's finances are very common because they are very effective to limit the victim's choices. Such forms of violence can be very subtle at first, gradually shoring up the abuser's control until he controls the family's financial decisions and wealth. This results in financial dependency and may affect the victim's ability to meet her own basic needs and those of her children in the event of a separation. Number one, controlling spending and financial management. 
criticizing the victim's purchases, monitoring personal credit card statements, ridiculing the way the victim manages their money, imposing financial decisions concerning the victim and the family. Number two, stealing money, taking cash without permission, using a bank card or credit card without the victim's consent, using money from a joint account in violation of the initial agreement, borrowing money under false pretenses or with no intention of fulfilling a repayment agreement, demanding money using force or threats. Number three, identity fraud, using known information, birth date, mother's maiden name, etc., to impersonate the victim and obtain credit cards incurring debts in their name, etc. Number four, limiting access to financial information, lying about their own personal financial situation or the family's financial situation, concealing personal income, hiding important bills and notices, etc. Number five, controlling professional choices, pressuring the victim to quit working or reduce their work hours, often through guilt about the children's needs. Limiting the victim's professional development by preventing them from studying. Controlling which jobs they can apply for. Forcing them to refuse promotions. Creating problems for them at work, including absenteeism or difficulty concentrating. Forcing the victim to work in their own business for little or no money, etc. Number six, using money as leverage to keep the victim in the relationship. Threatening to retaliate financially if the victim chooses to leave the relationship, to cut off support, to quit their job to avoid paying support, to stop paying joint debts, to break a repayment agreement for money loaned by the victim, etc. Here's an excerpt from a woman who experienced financial violence. He gradually shut me out of all financial decisions and access to my own money because he said I was mismanaging. I had an allowance of 200 a week for my personal expenses, an example groceries for the five of us, the pharmacy, my gas, clothes for our three children, even though I had a good salary. It was largely insufficient. When I asked for more, he made me believe that we had debts and that it was impossible or told me that I should simply manage better. And that's courtesy of a 43-year-old female survivor. And that concludes our episode for today. Thank you for joining me. Stay tuned for the French version of Six Forms of Financial Violence. Mm-hmm.